I'm Sharon Lever, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice Presidents Matt Garini and Brian Hopkins to discuss our 2021 predictions for the CIO. Welcome, Matt and Brian. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sharon. Before we jump into 2021, let's level set a minute for 2020 since it's been a crazy year and a lot of pressure on CIOs to step up. Give me a sense of the context. How are we entering 2021? Where have CIOs been through the past year? And how does that affect kind of what we'll expect in 2021? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get us started here. Um, you know, I think uh, the team really nailed it back in 2020, talking about the amount of uncertainty and how CIOs could use that to their advantage. Um, the flip side of that is some folks, it, it was to their disadvantage. Um, and, you know, I don't think we, we obviously didn't foresee a pandemic, but we knew that there was a lot of change coming down. And so as we go into 2021, um, change becomes the one constant. And it's actually, even though we say it's a constant, it's accelerating. And um, as we talk to more and more people, it's the common theme. And um, they just are trying to think about how do I put in place the right strategy to be able to be able to respond to all of this change and with it happening so fast. So that's that's what what I what my read is. And if we look at 2020, so obviously CIOs had to push forward on remote work, whether they were ready or ready or not ready. Um all sorts of digital channels and supporting those, whether they were ready or not ready, getting those spun up overnight. I'm sure some were more successful than others, but you also throw in more stress on the budget themselves. So how did CIOs in general fare through 2020? It's interesting. We've been talking to a lot of our CIO and CTO and other tech leader clients this year to find out stuff like that, right? And it's really interesting because one of the things that I've heard resoundingly from most of our CIO clients is their business called them forward because they were forced to do things with digital that they never thought they would, hey, we'll get to that someday. And now, holy moly, we have to do that now. And our CIOs are pretty much telling us that quotes like, in January, they would have said we were crazy that we actually got everyone shifted to working from home or that we fixed this process with RPA bots in seven days. Right. And then they've done that. And now they're like being called forward saying, well, if you could do that, what else can you do with these technologies? So to some extent, I think it's making a lot of our CIO and CTO clients kind of the rock stars of this of of this transition, this kind of this new normal that we find ourselves in. And one thing I would add to that, you know, the people that we saw take advantage of the crisis um, actually were some of the people that were more aggressive to the way that they thought about budgets, knowing that they not only had to have people working from home, but they needed to create new experiences, right? Because all of a sudden you've spent a lot of time and effort creating an experience where the majority of your workers are in an office. Now the majority are at home. Um, We saw that the leaders were the ones that actually weren't the ones that just went and slashed budgets. They actually used technology to their advantage. And um, the companies that did cut, um, you know, that's one of the things where, we're thinking, you know, that's where you're really going to start to see some challenges because those big, deep cuts are really going to create foundational problems as you move forward. You know, we did some research earlier this year from a couple of other analysts on the CIO team, Bobby Cameron and, and, and Andy Bartels, where they did some really fascinating analysis on how companies were dealing with the pandemic, driven a lot by the industry they were in. And so we, we classified companies as growth mode 
uh, survival mode or folks in the middle of that, like adaptive mode, right? And one of the things that we've been talking about in some of our predictions or in the uh, kind of the unstable new normal report that I was a part of is the fact that we think the pandemic is creating winners and losers. And the winners are those companies that either by luck find themselves in growth mode, or if they're in that adaptive mode, they have the balance sheet and the vision at the board level to invest. I mean, I say, you know, when the stock market's down, buy if you have cash, right? So companies that are sitting on cash, that are having the will to invest in creating the technology foundations today are going to set themselves well up for tomorrow. Whereas companies who are just like, where can I cut technology uh, are finding themselves um, hanging that sign up. And there's plenty of those. So, Yeah, well, that's a, maybe that's a good segue. One of the first predictions, I think, in the CIO predictions report is a prediction that as many as 20% of the Fortune 500 will not survive and will not make it through to the end of 2021, at least in their current state. That's a that's a broad brush statement. What is the in 2021? What do you expect them that CIOs will do? Like, what's the role of technology to help them survive, especially for those that have built some credibility through 2020 um, can, and could really step up to help? I think it, it starts with around those customer and employee experiences. Um, so many of our businesses have changed with the way that we engage. Uh, with products and services and with co companies and customers and things like that, that I think technology is going to be leveraged even more in the years ahead. Um, we've seen it over the, the past five to seven years anyway, but I think that acceleration, as I mentioned up front, um, will just, just ramp up. And so the ability to bring technology in and use that in different ways, especially if you need it, if you're in those lower modes that Brian talked about, if, you know, if you're in survival mode or even adaptive, um, the ability to use technology in a different way to shift some of the um, cost dynamics around the way that you engage as well as an opportunity. But the people at the, at the front end, um, this is where I think they're going to push that advantage and maybe even you know, widen their, their, uh, their lead on other co uh, companies. Because as Brian said, you know, when there, there's blood in the water, they're, they're buying. And um, these are the people that are going to be investing and they're going to be buying technology or buying assets from the people at the other end that have to get out of markets or to change their position because their technology just won't allow them to compete at the same levels. Yeah, I mean, I, I would add to that, uh, just let's talk a, an example is probably best here. Um, if we think about the restaurant and, and uh, business, one of the things that we've seen is a lot of a lot of restaurants hanging out the, the, the closed sign, um, whereas the one industry that seems to be benefiting from the pandemic is the pizza industry. Um, and so one, one way to look at that is to think, well, okay, a lot of people want to order from home and, and the pizza industry has for years been working very closely with delivery services. And so in this rapid shift of customer behaviors, companies, traditional restaurants that weren't ready for that shift kind of got left, but no one's coming. What do I do? Whereas the industries that's most closely already connected into a digital ecosystem like pizza delivery is now in a position to get the benefit of the fact that people are still spending money eating food. It's just now being delivered. So if you're hooked into that industry, you're in a much better position. So Domino's Pizza, you know, they spoke at one of our events three or four years ago where they started a transformation from being a company that sells pizza to a software company that, oh, by the way, delivers pizza. And a lot of the things they're doing is diversifying beyond just, hey, we make pizzas and deliver it via emojis on your phone to we're a software platform and we're going to build and sell software in the delivery services ecosystem so that we have a balance of digital and physical, 
right? And so that's the thing that we see a lot of companies thinking about is I can't just be a physical company anymore because if another pandemic happens, if the China firewall goes up, if something blows up, I may have to shift rapidly from digital to physical and from physical back to digital. I mean, I joke, uh, uh, maybe the next thing that happens, and it's not joking, is somebody sets an EMP off and takes the internet down. Then we're not going to be able to do digital. So the companies that can do physical, right, delivery of products and services are going to be at an advantage. And we just don't know what's going to happen. So you have to kind of hedge your bets, I think. And that's the way you're going to use technology. Yeah, it also sounds like you're saying even the things that CIOs or companies may have done in 2020 because they had to, unless they did it in a way that sets them up for shifting and changing and so forth and really focused on the platform or the underlying foundation, it's only going to get you so far. Um, and I suspect we saw a lot of companies do that. They did, they were Band-Aid fixes, right, to be able to provide whatever they needed to do in 2020, but that's not going to carry over into 2021. Yeah, and I think I think that's like where the the concept of resilience really comes in here. You know, there's there's a bunch of people, and they should be proud, but they're proud that they were able to get and shift their workforces and their apps and everything so people could work from home. But you know, resilience done in absence of a forward-looking strategy, thinking about the elements of adaptivity and creativity that Brian has been hitting on, you're probably not making the right investments, and at some point you're going to be caught short because you're going to then have to think about these new ways that, okay, I've got everybody working from home, but now those employees, how do I drive innovation? Before we got so much from what I heard Jamie Dimon call um, creative combustion, where in organizations, people would come together and an idea would spark. And now when every calendar is structured for, for, for meetings, how do you get that? And Technology can be a big piece of that. It might not be ready just yet, but there are ways that you can start to bring people together and drive elements of that. But if you didn't make those early investments the right way, that's why we're saying that we think companies are going to really struggle in that first prediction. Yeah, it's really interesting because Matt and I worked on this research piece in 2019. Uh, in fact, I was working on it with Bobby Cameron as well. We were looking at you know, how companies innovate better with technology. And we ran a big study and we did a bunch of interviews. And the interesting thing that fell, just kind of fell in our laps out of that is the, the, the connectivity between being able to effectively use technology and to be able to be the kind of business that's built for change, right? And so we said, well, what do you call that business? And we looked around and we found this definition of adaptive by Gary Hamill, professor uh, at Oxford. And we thought that's perfect because it's really talking about businesses that are purpose-built to periodically rethink their core concepts and proactively become the kind of business that will succeed in the future. And so we stuck a pin on that in 2019 and said, that's the future, this kind of business, not knowing the pandemic was coming at us, right? And so now we've combined that with resiliency and this idea of creativity as kind of the three magic ingredients we think you need. So I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. Another prediction uh, that you guys came up with, 75% of multinational CIOs will disengage from technically sound providers in 2021 for purely political reasons. So this is a common thing in the consumer buying world, of course, right? Thinking about the values and alignment of the brands that consumers buy from. Sounds like uh, you guys are making a prediction that that is going to have a resounding impact on more of the B2B space and specifically technology. I mean, I can assume why. There's lots of things afoot there, but why now? Why specifically do you think CIOs will really start to pay attention to this in 2021? 
one of the things that we looked at in on part of the trends research that we just published is this shift from from global to what we think of as hyper local operation being driven by you know crumbling diplomacy rising international tensions systemic risks and values based customers right one of the things we're recognizing is that the, one of the things the pandemic has done is, is accelerated the willingness of customers to vote with their wallets with on businesses that align to their values. And this is extending from B2C into B2B, where we think that the idea of data supply chain, the data ethics of your supply chain and your partners needs to, you need to understand that so that you're cut, you can communicate that to your customers, that you're doing business in a way that aligns to their values. And since values vary drastically from Asia Pacific to North America to Europe, more and more CIOs we're talking to are telling us our business, we're now thinking about how we operate in a much more local way, right? And so that's that's really changing their thought from very centralized and efficiency driven to very localized. And we think that in this back half of the age of the customer, companies are gonna increasingly pursue fine grain customer segments, maybe down to the state, city, or even the city block level, something we call hyperlocal. And there's a lot of technologies that are going to enable that. And we think CIOs are going to be stuck right in the middle of how do you operate information technology and operate business efficiently at scale while operating processes, products, and customer service in a very hyper-local way. Yeah. And I would just add to that, that, um, you know, there's a bit of a, you kind of split your mind into two different directions for, for the CIO, you know, and at one level, everybody wants you out there creating the most efficient operation you can. And we've been building these global, you know, for global companies, we've been building these global capabilities. And as you do that, you want to be able to deploy them as efficiently as possible. But because of all these trends and then the opportunity the technology brings, you're actually going to have to get pulled back a bit. But if you do it the right way, it should still deliver much more value because, as Brian said, you're getting in and you're thinking about different segmentations of customers and how to deliver for them. But there is going to be a period of time where I think the investment efficiency probably takes a dip as people get their heads around where the value is versus the cost that they're going to be, the, the additional cost they're being incurring to get back to this hyper-local uh, concept. And, and that manifests itself in the partners that you choose, because you may choose a partner that instead of being the big global consultancy or systems integrator, you may choose local local partners, and then you have the the task of integrating the work of all those partners because those partners operate very locally and know the customers, but they may be smaller boutique shops. So we think a lot. Of, there's a big decisions that you need to face, and CIOs are going to have to face as they look at how to how to create these very specific uh, processes, products, and and technology in support of those. So. Is an outgrowth of that potentially um, then some sort of, I don't know, breaking up of some of these big tech vendors? Uh, you know, so many of them have been pushing on a value proposition of being this global provider. And that, that plays really well when you've got a centralized tech strategy. But what you're talking about is very different. How does that play out in the uh, tech and vendor space? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, the way that we've written about that in the uh, some of the research I've been involved in, some of the other predictions and the trends is, uh, uh, I'm not sure it's a breakup, but I think one of the things that we saw in the 2010s was a centralization of corporate wealth and power uh, based on things like cloud, right? So a lot of, of course, the cloud providers have grown very big and a lot of companies deploying into the cloud and, and leveraging that agility have also benefited. And uh, as we move more towards a hyper-local type of operations, 
I think that's going to some of the underlying technologies are going to put stress specifically on the cloud vendors who are the, the they're the 800 pound gorillas that we got from the last decade. Um, so as, as an example, um, if you consider things like uh, cloud native technologies, containers and Kubernetes, um, we see all kinds of competitors like the content delivery network providers, the co-location providers, the telecommunications companies that have infrastructure all over the world. And they're using uh, things like cloud native technologies to deploy cloud-like or edge cloud kind of capabilities outside of the public cloud providers. And they are targeting some of the use cases where clients today think I'm gonna deploy that into the cloud. Instead, they wanna deploy it perhaps on a content delivery networks, serverless or function as a service type of uh, capabilities. And so we think that the, the cloud providers are still going to be growing at double digits into the decade. I don't see that like I don't see that being unwound, but some of the growth they could have had will go to these other companies. Or for example, IBM, uh, the enterprise software vendors, the large software vendors are using cloud native and, and containers as a way to say, well, if you don't want to develop three or four different data analytics infrastructures, one for each cloud you happen to be on, why don't you use our platform that's pre-integrated and use OpenShift, which is a version of Kubernetes to deliver the same data analytics and AI capabilities across multiple clouds, right? That's that's an option. And so, you know, today that's difficult. It's going to get easier into the next decade. So we think there's going to be a lot of pressure and disruption in the large tech vendor space uh, in the 2020s. All right. Last prediction to dig into here that we probably have time for talent, remote work. We started this conversation talking about the pandemic, of course, and how CIOs were called on to shift things to support remote work. I know probably for you guys, keep me honest here, probably for the past couple of years, there's been predictions in our CIO predictions that's been about talent, employee experience, et cetera. What do you see the role is for enabling employee experience, enabling this new workforce in terms of what the CIO is up against for 2021? I alluded to it earlier in that you know, before we were primarily companies where people work from an office, and now we're primarily companies where people work from home. Um, we don't think the final answer is where we are today. We know that people will return to offices, but we still predict in our EX predictions that um, the number of home workers is going to grow 3x. So it's going to be a massive shift. And, and the challenge is going to be, how do you deliver great experiences that are going to be very different from where you were a year ago, to where you are today, to where you are going to be, let's say, maybe a year from now. And so as we look at that, the, um, the, the thing that we realize is about 30% of an EX score is rooted in technology um, and how that technology enables and empowers uh, the workers and the employees. And obviously not all of that's the CIO, but a large portion of it is. And so that ability to deliver great technology that makes the employee's life easier, gives them the data they need when they need it with the insights on top of that. All of those elements are what can really help deliver those great experiences. So that's level one. Level two of it is this concept of what are the new ways that we need to engage? And this is where, the, again, technology can come in. We, we talked a little bit about, you know, maybe this is where Second Life has its own Second Life. You know, I know loads of people in our audience may remember that from the 2000s. And, um, but that ability to create virtual workplaces where regardless of where you are, whether you're sitting in an office or on a remote connection, you have that ability through some kind of virtual field to create an experience where 
I can go in and see who's at their desk and pop in to have those spontaneous conversations. So, so they start to mimic much more of that office opportunity, but I create what we call parity for all the employees. And it's parity because wherever I am, I get the same great experience. So I think those two pieces of it coming together are going to be key for CIOs. And I think the ones that get it right, you're going to attract employees. You're going to be a beacon for talent. If you don't get it right, I think you have two problems. One, people may leave, or the bigger problem is they may stay. And those people that stay are going to be the ones that are de-energized, demotivated, and they're just going through the motions. So that's kind of the way that we've been thinking about that one. Yeah, talent retention is huge, right? I mean, one depending on the survey you look at, it's like almost half of top talent leaves within two years. And so if you think about the things cloud has done, cloud is making acquiring the technology very easy. So if it's not the technology that differentiates you in the 2020s, then it's going to be your talent. So how do you acquire that talent? And the role of the CIO in understanding what employees are doing through, through technology and helping the chief human resources officer harvest the talent that you have and train the talent that you have, not just uh, go hire new talent, which may, may be hard and they may leave. So the CIOs have a big role there, I think. Sounds like it's also going to pull on, uh, you know, over the past year, it's been focused a little bit more on that resiliency um, to make sure that you can connect employees and people were just happy that that actually worked and happened. Sounds like what you guys are saying is as we get into 2021, it's going to be pulling on that string of creativity, right? The CIO is really helping to create the new, better experience that hasn't been defined yet via technology for employees. Is that fair? Yeah, totally fair. I think this is the whole thing we're talking about with our future fit technology that we're working on. We just did that vision report. You know, the whole idea of that is, you know, that ability to to provide to the company the ability to be resilient, adaptive, and creative. And in what you're talking about here, you need to make that shift because, you know, the the, the chief people officer can do a lot of the thinking around the experience itself, but because of the remote nature of it. You need new ways to deliver the experience. And technology is really a primary driver of that. And so getting that shift into that creative thinking and how people can deliver new experiences that employees value is going to be paramount. Yeah, we've also been writing a lot about the data downpour and HR and employee employee data, right, Matt? Yeah, and, and that that's something, too, that, um, you know, you just see there's so much information out there right now. And it's how do you use that information to really get at those areas where you can drive new and improved ways to engage the employees. And, and as you said, Brian, keep that top talent around and get more and more value out of it while at the same time coaching up those that maybe not aren't as considered top talent just yet. Yeah, it's, it's real interesting, Sharon. Um, I was working with Dave Johnson, who's done a lot of our employee experience research, and he took the whole idea of a system of insight, you know, that we developed uh, a few years ago, uh, mostly focused on customer engagement. And he's postulating that a lot of those techniques will, will, will migrate from customer experience and customer analytics over to employee experience and employee analytics. We're creating those closed loop systems to engage and retain the best talent. Pros and cons of all of this. I know there's also a prediction coming out of our cybersecurity crew about a third of uh, security breaches coming from insiders in the future, which is a result of the focus on EX, more data. Um, yeah remote work, et cetera. So I have to believe that's top of mind for our CIOs. It makes zero trust even more imperative, right? Because you have to, you can't trust anybody. Therefore, you have to go back to your networks and understand where that data is going. 
and 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 if it's going to come from your employees, then then you need that you need that capability. So as we think about all of the predictions and all of the different things that we predict will happen in 2021, and knowing that things are unstable and lots of things that maybe we don't even predict might happen. Honestly, I'm struggling. If I was in a CIO's shoes, how to prioritize, what to really focus on um, and get prepared for when it comes to 2021. So can I get from both of you, Brian and Matt, if you could pick one thing, if you were talking to a CIO that you would say, you need to be laser focused on this when thinking about how to plan for 2021, this would be it. Yeah, I'll start with that. It's really interesting, Sharon. One of the things as we've talked to CIOs uh, in 2019 and 2020 and kind of see how they've managed the managed the transition is that 2020 has really put an exclamation point on the fact that while we were accelerating in, in 2019 and, and clients still feel that tug of digital acceleration, 2020, we now realize that we're accelerating into fog and there's a lot of systemic risk and uncertainty we have to worry about. And so the one thing that that uh, we've discovered uh, as we talk to clients is the thing that really is going to make a difference in, in in this next year and in the future is the fact that you have to focus on uh, trust, right? No one's going to follow you into accelerating into the fog unless they really trust that you know what you're doing and that you can you can deliver. And the way that you build that trust is not by thinking about trust generally, like do you have a culture of trust, but thinking about trust very specifically in terms of who are your stakeholders. Why should they trust you? Do you trust? Do they trust you? And for a particular strategic initiative, how much trust do you need? So we think that what you need to do is you need to start thinking about trust in that go no go decision. There may be things you're ready to do that you can technically do that you don't have the trust to do because of the situation we're in, and you may need to hold off on things until you build enough trust that you can actually stick to it enough to succeed in the coming decade. Yeah, and. Um... If I had to make you know one recommendation for you know CIOs moving forward in 2021, um, I would recommend get as close to your chief people officer as you possibly can. Um, th th this thing about the shift in culture and the shifting in employee experience, um, some companies will get it right. Um, some a lot of companies are going to struggle with it. The closer you're connected with the the chief people officer, the more that you understand how things are changing within your own workforce, that's going to help you get ahead of that and make sure that your company is going to be successful. And I think the high impact CIOs, you're always going to be serving customers. Absolutely. But for where we are in this point in time to create that additional impact, how you can get in front of and deliver the great experiences for your employees, that's where I'd start. Excellent insights, both of you. I have to say, it kind of warms my heart that CIOs are pulling this off. They pulled it off, many of them in 2020. They're doing well. They're getting the light shining on them. Um, great advice for 2021 as well. So thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.